Our second scripture reading on this first Sunday of Advent comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Let us continue listening for a word from God. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and no, so not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you all pray with me? Oh, good and gracious God, still us today. Still the to-do lists that inevitably continue to run through our minds and calm our hands and open our hearts to hear your word to us today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Some of you might know this already about me, but Christmas cards are one of my favorite things about the month of December. I look forward to sending cards, and I look even more forward to checking my mailbox every day in the hopes that someone will have sent me a card. I also really love the display of cards that gets put up every year in my dining room that displays my community of people. This year, I was hoping to have a second attempt at a festive family photo for my own Christmas card, but those dreams got crushed earlier this week after a nasty battle with a book of all things. A trip to urgent care and a tube of skin glue ended up on my daughter's face right below her eye. This season of Advent that we begin today is not picture perfect, despite what our holiday cards might have us believe. It is a season where we name the darkness of the world while also proclaiming a hope that is bigger than us as we look for God in the in-between time. I love this season of Advent for the Christmas cards. I like lighting the candles. The purple or sometimes blue pyramids are a welcome change, and the decorations and the poinsettias that will fill this space soon also fill me with anticipation 
as we prepare for the birth of Jesus into the world again. But preparing for the birth of Jesus again isn't all this season is about. Advent is about preparing ourselves for the second coming of Jesus, of God into the world again. Now, if I were you and sitting in the pews, this would be where I would shift in my seat a little bit or reposition my legs because talking about the second coming of a God who is already here and now at work in the world, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? But isn't that who God is, though? God who takes our expectations of the world and invites us to turn them upside down. God who invites us to live our lives in faith and stay awake. Jesus, who we meet in the gospel today, prophesies of the day when God comes into the world again. Jesus even doesn't know when that second coming will be, but he is certain that it will be. Jesus knows that God will come again. If those verses from Matthew teach us anything, it's that we don't know when God is coming again, but we are not supposed to sit around waiting with idle hands and hopeless hearts. Jesus remembers back to Noah when God asked him to build that ark. The people were living their lives. Jesus directs his disciples to stay alert because like that day, they won't know what's happening until it happens. In a commentary, David Bartlett wrote, biblical faith doesn't know everything, but it does know that we are called to do something here and now. I found those words to be so striking. This book, this collection of stories that we look towards to teach us about our faith, it doesn't have all of the answers. But it does invite us to have faith, even when we don't know. It invites us to have faith that God has worked in ages past and that God continues to work even now. It reminds us that in this region of the mundane, in the in-between, is where our faithfulness happens. Jesus told those disciples to keep watch. Keeping watch is not a passive action. It is present and it is active. Isaiah prophesied about that day when God's mountain would become the highest mountain and a place where people stream to from all over. At that mountain, God's people would be taught peace. The people will beat their swords into plows spears into pruning tools, and the day will come when we no longer know of war. Can you imagine that day? I know I've read these verses several times and probably heard them even more, but something new stood out to me about them this year. The swords, the plows, the spears, and the pruning tools. Nowhere in those verses does it say that God turns these tools used for waging war, for killing one another, into farm tools. God's not the one who does the work. Instead, at that mountain, God equips God's people 
to beat their swords into plows. Instead of just doing it, like many of us hope God would just take care of, God invites us into that sacred space of changing our ways to have hope for the day when swords are no longer needed. Isaiah prophesies of the day when God's people will turn their tools for war into tools for community, walking in the light of the Lord. God equips us to do that still. I learned this week that these verses from Isaiah are etched into the wall across the street from the United Nations building in New York. And that statue that is on the cover of your bulletin today, that statue sits in the United Nations garden. That statue originated from a Russian artist for an exhibition at the end of the First World War, at the, sorry, it was an exhibition for the First World Fair after the Second World War which was happening in Brussels in 1950s. The United States and the USSR were given these two big pavilions at that World Fair, and their lots were adjoining so that visitors could compare their two rival worldviews. There was a competition to, that, held, that was held to design the pavilion, and that was held to design what would anchor that pavilion together. And of the 100 designs submitted, the statue called Swords into Plowshares by the Soviet artist Evgeny Vucetich won the Grand Prix, and it was eventually donated to the United Nations to be in that garden after the World Fair. In the UN archive, it states the sculpture symbols man's desire to put an end to war and transform tools of destruction into tools to benefit mankind. The statue depicts symbols of fear, hate, and violence being reshaped, being made new into something that is used to harvest grain. Grain that could be used maybe to make animal feed, grain that could be used maybe to make beer, grain that could be used or even processed into flour that could be baked into bread that then gets shared around a table of friends. These symbols of destruction get molded into symbols of community. I find such hope in that image. Yet there's also such tension in that artwork. This gift from the USSR that was given to a world organization chartered to maintain peace among the nations Yet the gift giver is turning those plows back into swords. There may be tension, but it's not a surprise. We're humans, after all. God has not made peace among the nations yet. We are still living in the in-between time. Sometimes we aren't very good at keeping watch because we're fearful, and we're even a little selfish. Yet God has hope in us still. And so too do we have hope in the God of ages past, and God who is at work in the world now, and in God who is coming into the world again at a time and a place we don't yet know. 
on the first Sunday of Advent, that first candle that the Callaways lit for us today, that represents hope. It represents a hope that is bold, that is brave, and maybe even a little uncertain. This year, for whatever reason, I was struck thinking about those candles. Candle flames aren't very big, are they? They don't give off a ton of light. Sometimes they are steady and sometimes they flicker. Sometimes their light is so small, I'm not even sure the people who are sitting on those back pews can see them. Yet we trust that this small light, that in this small light, there is enough hope to sustain us. In this small light of one candle, we are reminded in the far from picture-perfect world that as we have hope in God, God too has hope in us to turn those swords into plows while we wait for God to come again. I see glimmers of us hammering our swords into plows while we wait, filling this space. I see those glimmers of hope as most of the angels on those angel trees have been taken and gifts are coming back. I see those glimmers of hope of swords being hammered into plows and the hundreds of people that flooded the social hall on Thursday morning for breakfast together before the meals with our families. I see those glimmers of hope in those fair trade items that are in the back hallway at the serve shop Those items are being sold and planned as gifts for our families. I even see a bold statement of hope as the stewardship season at the church concluded and we pledged gifts, whether sometimes large and sometimes small, in the hope that no matter how big or small our gifts were, when they are all together, they will show the community and the world of God's love through the church. What a statement. To me, staying alert for God to come into the world again while living in a world where God is already here means that we live into what God has already equipped us to do. It means living into that messy and far from picture perfect world, but staying alert still, actively waiting, listening for God, and watching. Watching for those moments where we have been equipped to beat our swords to let go of our insecurities and our hesitancies and our selfishness and our pride, to let that go into a plow and be turned into vulnerabilities, into stories, into bread that is shared around a table where we find community in one another and where we find community in God. Staying alert for God in this season of Advent means being in community with one another, and it means being in community with the God that has been, God that is now, and God that is yet to come. Friends, stay awake. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat>